بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم I begin by praising Allah the Almighty, the Exalted, the Majestic and I ask Him to send His choicest of blessings and salutations upon our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, his family members, his companions and every single individual who treads on his path with ikhlas, with sincerity until the end of time. I begin by reminding myself and then all of you all gathered here to adopt a life of taqwa and that is to be conscious of your maker. And you must do this if you wish to attain victory and success in this world as well as the next. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all from the people of taqwa and may he make us from the victorious and successful ones. Ameen. The topic for today's sermon is understanding rizq and a few ways to infuse barakah into your rizq, into your lives. Obviously, I see a lot of businessmen in the congregation. I also see professionals from the corporate sector. So let's try to reframe how we look at this concept or how we understand the idea of rizq. And let's try to understand it holistically in a wholesome way through the light of Islam. When talking about rizq, today families fight over it after the demise of a parent. Siblings stop talking to one another because of disputes over it. Friends who end up as business partners, they end up hating one another because of certain transactions going sour. Now all of this revolves around risk. And unfortunately, a lot of us, this pursuit towards gathering money, towards gathering wealth, it ends up dominating the entire discourse of our existence. It consumes us. It spans our entire lifespans and it ends up causing us to live very miserable lives. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the Noble Quran, Allah talks about the individual who gathers wealth, who gathers money, and he keeps counting it. He keeps counting it. And this, this pursuit of his consumes his entire lifespan. Because today, don't you think that in the very competitive landscape that we are upon, is it not about, are we not competing with one another about our salaries, about our materialistic possessions, about the vehicles that we drive, about our houses, the number of bedrooms, the addresses, our bank balances. We are striving to either enhance all of that, increase all of it, because we link that to social status. Social status, the vehicle that we drive, the watch that we wear, the address that we live in, we link it to social status. And this pursuit consumes our lives, because we are either trying to maintain it or increase it, 
because we link that to respect, we link that to social status. And you might have seen these infographics, you might have seen these videos, these short clips on social media of this skeleton running and running and running. He's got, you know, a, like a money bag hanging in front of him. You know, like how you dangle a carrot in front of a, a, a rabbit and it keeps running. You've got this money bag dangling in front of the human being and he's running, running, running until eventually he runs into his grave. Meaning that that run results in all of his skin eventually falling off his body and then he's left with his skeleton and he never gets that money back. It's, 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 it's shaitan's way of fooling us, deceiving us. Why? Because you get one money bag, you're not happy, you're not content, you want another money bag. You get one mountain of gold, you're not happy, we're not happy, we're not content, we want another mountain of gold, right? So this pursuit, this running keeps on going, 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 going until you end up in your graves. And unfortunately, this, what happens, this, we, we risk it all to earn this money by exhausting our energy, by spending our free and preoccupied time, in addition to abandoning our family, in addition to neglecting our worship. So no doubt we are headed towards destruction. We're headed towards inconceivable loss. My dear brothers in Islam, the whole idea of reframing it is that you must remind yourself that the provisions we earn in this world are not controlled by us. Even if you decide to work extra shifts or more jobs, you're working from morning to evening, your provision, your risk, and you will see, as I will explain in just a bit, it is very narrow-minded to restrict the idea of risk to pennies and rupees and dollars money. No, it's a very vast idea. I'll touch on it in just a bit. But let me finish the point that I was making. The provisions in this world are not controlled by us. Even if we decide to work extra shifts or more jobs, it was decided, it was determined much, much earlier. It was written by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala long, long ago. And we have a hadith with regards to it that specifies that the writing of it took place when you, my dear brother, my dear sister, when you were in your mother's womb. So however much, whatever you do today, it's been written. It's decreed. The morsel of food that's going to go into your throat in perhaps an hour's time, be it biryani, be it rice and curry, be it fried rice, whatever it may be, or be it a salad if you are you know, conscious with your eating, whatever it may be, has already been decreed by your maker. You need to accept it, O oh believer. You need to accept it. The words of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he is reported to have said, وَهُوَ الصَّادِقُ الْمَسْدُوقُ And he is the most truthful and the trusted one. إِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ يُجْمَعُ خَلْقُهُ فِي بَطْنِ أُمِّهِ أَرْبَعِينَ يَوْمًا نُطُفَةً so the Prophet ﷺ, he says that verily the creation of each and every one of you is brought together in his mother's womb for 40 days as a drop, i.e. a drop of blood, a drop of uh, semen. Then he is a clot for a similar period 
then a morsel of flesh for a similar period then there is sent to him the angel who blows the ruh into him and the angel is commanded regarding four matters to write down four matters time does not permit for me to go into all four matters but one of the four matters your lifespan is decreed and along with that your provision is decreed it is written it is written Allah says in the noble Quran and in the heaven is your risk and whatever you are promised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now let me spend a moment or two to try and quickly elaborate on the term risk what is risk the word risk is loosely translated as provision but my dear brothers in Islam risk entails every single thing that your maker has given you and it does not necessarily have to be a thing per se your eyesight is the risk given to you by Allah your hearing is risk given to you by Allah the feet that you have to walk is risk given to you by Allah your health risk given to you by Allah your job risk given to you by Allah your child your children risk given to you by Allah your mode of conveyance your vehicle risk given to you by Allah even your emotional states you're happy you're content you are at peace these are all forms of risk given to you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all forms of risk given to you by Allah Azza wa so it's just not money it's just not your salary it's just not food all of it is included whatever he your maker has given for you to sustain you is risk and this is why there was once a pious man was walking on the streets and he sees a man begging and not just begging he was grumbling whining and complaining that oh Allah is so unfair I have been deprived I have nothing he has not blessed me I am unfortunate and he was grumbling whining and complaining and begging so this man he goes up to him and he says Ya Rajul oh man if I were to give you in our context, he was talking in, in dirhams and dinars, but in our context, if I were to paraphrase, if I were to give you a million rupees, would you give me your, your eyes? To which this man replies in the negative. He says, no. Then he says, okay, how about another million for your hearing? Your ears, can I chop your ears off? To which the man says, no. He said, I'll give you another million. Give me your tongue. I'll cut your tongue off. The man says, no. He says, I'll give you another million. Can I cut your nose off? The man says, no. He says, I'll give you another million. Another million, all right? Or take two if you want. Let me chop off your hands. I'll give you another two million. Let me chop off your legs. To which obviously the man replies, no, no, no. Until finally this man points out, you are a standing millionaire. You've got millions on you. All of which Allah has provided. Allah has given you. Allah has not deprived you of it. So how dare you say that Allah has deprived you? How dare you say that you are unfortunate? Subhanallah. 
There was once an individual, and this, this is mentioned by Imam al-Dhahabi rahimahullah in his, in his, uh, in, in Sirah Alam in Nubala. He talks about a, a, a pious scholar of the past. A man, this was a student of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. Now because of old age, this individual, because of old age, and he was a, he was a, a famous scholar of tafsir, but because of old age, he become very frail and weak. He goes and pitches his tent, not a house or anything, a simple tent in the outskirts of the city. In the outskirts of the city. So there was once a man now who goes to visit him. Now he's old and frail, this scholar. So when he goes to visit him, he's seated in his tent and he is perhaps reading the Quran. He's losing his eyesight. He's almost blind. He's seated in the middle of the tent and there's nothing. No fancy house, nothing, it's just a very simple tent. And as this man was approaching, he can hear this scholar saying, Alhamdulillahilladhi faddalani ala kathirin mimman khalaqa tafdila. All praise be to Allah, the one who has preferred me and blessed me over so many of his creation. And he keeps repeating this. And this man who has gone to visit him is surprised. He goes in and he greets him. He asks him, how are you? And the man again responds, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahilladhi faddalani ala kathirin mimman khalaqa tafdila. All praise be to Allah who has favored me over so many of his creation. This man out of surprise, he says, Ya Shaykh, O scholar, you have lost your eyesight. You're sitting in the, in the outskirts of the city under a shabby tent you have very little food with you you've got no provisions with you how has Allah preferred you how has Allah blessed you over so many of his creation the scholar points out he says my dear brother has Allah not blessed me with hearing where when the adhan is called out I can hear the adhan glorifying Allah and I can respond to the adhan so is that not a blessing that I must thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for? Has he not blessed me with a tongue where I can read his words and for every letter I'm rewarded? So should I not be grateful for that? Alhamdulillahilladhi faddalani ala kathirin mimman khalaqa tafdila. There are those who are deprived of their hearing or they have hearing, they're not hearing the right things, they're hearing all kinds of nonsense. Or they have a tongue, they're not using it for appropriate things, they're using the tongue to earn sins. So should I not thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So my dear brothers in Islam, it is imperative, it is important that we keep reminding ourselves that we should not ignore the one who is actually providing for us. In the pursuit of rizq, we are forgetting ar-raziq. We are forgetting ar-razaq. The one who is actually providing for us. You're looking for something and he is the owner. He is the provider. You are ignoring him. You're forgetting him. You're abandoning him. So how can you expect for barakah in your lives? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills something for you, my dear brother, no one, not a single creation can stop you from achieving it. And likewise, the opposite also holds true. If Allah decides that something is not for you, you can strive all you want. You can try to move mountains. You can be the most shrewd businessman, but you'll never be able to close the deal. 
you'll never be able to achieve what you're trying to achieve. So therefore, my dear brothers in Islam, it is important that we remind ourselves of this, that we, not fo that we, that we should not forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There was once a pious person from the past, his name was Yunus ibn Ubaid. He had placed some food for a cat. And he observes the cat coming and taking a few pieces of meat from that food and running away with it. So he was curious. It kind of piqued his curiosity. He follows the cat to try and see where is this cat taking the food and going. He follows the cat. The cat goes into a, you know, an alley, if you will, and then goes by a hole in the wall and places the meat and runs, actually makes a noise and runs away. So the man was surprised. He thinks, okay, maybe there are kittens. What's the cat doing? After a while, there was a huge snake that slithered out of the hole. And then he observes closely, the snake was blind. The snake comes out, it eats the meat and it goes back into the hole. So at that juncture, this man immediately remembers the ayah in Surah Hud where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, وَمَا مِن دَابَّةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا وَمَا مِن دَابَّةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا وَيَعْلَمُ مُسْتَقَرَّهَا وَمُسْتَوْدَعَهَا there is no creature on earth but Allah that it is upon Allah to provide for that creature and Allah knows its place of dwelling and its place of storage and everything is in a clear register my dear brother in Islam, if Allah is providing for the fish in the ocean, from the whale to the tiniest of fish, if Allah is providing for every tiny ant that scurries on the face of this earth, you, O believer, you, O follower of Muhammad sallallahu wasallam, if you place your trust in your maker, you think Allah is going to deprive you of your rizq, the razak, the raziq, you have economic cycles that come and go and that has been the case throughout the annals of time. You have good times, you have bad times. Look at the story of Yusuf Seven good years, seven bad years. Regardless of the economic backdrop, never lose hope in Allah. Place your trust in Allah. And in terms of the ways to infuse barakah in your life, one or two minutes and I'll conclude because I'm out of time. Place your trust in Allah, number one. Render gratitude, be grateful, never be ungrateful. If you are ungrateful, because you have to understand that your risk is determined, but it is locked. So, for example, if someone, it's been decreed that he is to get a million, it's locked. You unlock it with your state of mind. You unlock it with how you act with Allah, with your beliefs, with your ibadah, your act of worship, your duas, your shukr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about a, a, a nation 
Allah says that Allah presents an example, a city which was safe and secure. Its provision was coming to it in abundance. Its risk was coming to it in abundance from every location. But what did they do? They were ungrateful. And Allah says in the Quran, Allah made them test. Allah made them taste hunger. Allah made them taste poverty for what they had been doing. So risk was predetermined, but because of their ungratefulness, it became, it was locked and they were deprived of it. So on the other hand, when you render gratitude, you're infusing barakah. And barakah is a concept in simple terms. It's about quality and not quantity. You may have noticed at times in your life, or you may have seen certain individuals, they rake in a lot of money, for example, but they don't know where the money is going. In terms of numbers, you have a lot of money, but every month you're living from check to check, from payment to payment. Why? There's no barakah in your life. But on the other hand, you may have certain other individuals little wealth little money but they're living content lives they're living happy and good lives why their lives are infused with barakah subhanallah there are many ways but time does not permit for me to get into it perhaps in another sermon i'll do that inshallah for example marriage today we think of marriage as a burden and unfortunately our generation is also drifting away from it Mark my words, my dear brothers in Islam, with that I conclude. Allah will give you only how much He feels that you can handle. And He will only give you how much He feels that you need. If you are single, my dear youngster, living with your parents, how much do you need? So how much do you think Allah is going to give you? But on the other hand, you're following the command of Allah, following the sunnah of Muhammad You get married, you halal nikah. Now you're married and you have children. Now you will see barakah in your life. Now Allah is going to provide for you. Why? Because you're striving to be, become a productive believer. You're striving to nurture and bring up productive believers, i.e. your children. So now Allah will provide for you. So don't wait for everything to fall into place to get married, but rather get married, follow the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and you will see the way things start falling into place. And these are just not my words, my dear brothers in Islam, with, with regards to uh, marriage, Allah says in the Quran, وَأَنْكِحُ الْعَيَامَ مِنْكُمْ وَالصَّالِحِينَ مِنْ عِبَادِكُمْ وَإِمَائِكُمْ إِنْ يَكُونُوا فُقَرَاء يُغْنِهِمُ اللَّهِ if they should be poor, Allah commands you to get married and Allah says, if you should be poor, Allah will enrich you from his bounty. Subhanallah, these are the words of your maker, not my words. Allah talks about having children. Do not kill your children for fear of poverty. We provide for them and for you. You are not their provider. You are a consumer. We think of ourselves as providers, but we are actually consumers. We are consumers of Allah's rizq. Allah is the provider. So never ever remove him from the equation. My dear brothers in Islam, keep him at the forefront. Remember him at all times. Render shukr unto him. Be grateful unto him. Make a lot of dua. Place your trust in Allah. Bring in taqwa and strive 
Allah will open doors of barakah. Allah will open doors of abundance for you, insha'Allah ta'ala. With that, I conclude, I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to open doors of barakah for all of us, to open the doors of rizq for all of us, and that Allah helps us to only consume that which is halal, that which is pure. May Allah protect us from this pursuit of wealth, consuming us to the extent where we disregard what is halal and what is haram. May Allah Azzawajal protect us from that which is haram. May Allah protect our children from that which is haram. May Allah protect our generations from that which is haram. And may He bless us with that which is halal. And just as how He united us here in this masjid, may He unite us in the beautiful gardens of Jannah, in the companionship of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Ameen, ameen, wa akhir da'wayan, alhamdulillahi ya rabbil alameen.